If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Obviously, we are taking a break from Revelation today. Today, he's going to show you on the screen, we're going to talk about the world. Talk about the world. You see the world up there? It's spinning and he's got the whole world in his hands. This week as I was thinking and praying and watching national and international events, um, God just kind of spoke to me that maybe we needed to hear a message today that's entitled, What to Do When Your World Turns Upside Down. What to do when your world turns upside down. I want you to notice, world's still spinning. <laughs> it's just spinning upside down. Has anybody ever had your world turn upside down? Okay, rest of you, I'll preach online next week, okay? As you know, a week ago yesterday morning, we were awakened to some horrific truths that Israel had been attacked by Hamas. The war between these two people are nothing new. But this was unusually vicious, bloody, brutal, killing babies. And I'll just pause here to say something that you may or may not put together with this. Israel, the Jewish nation, is God's people. And the Bible tells us that any nation that does not stand with Israel stands against God. So we better get this right. As a nation, we see on that morning, it depends on who you read or who you listen to, somewhere, somewhere around 1,000, 1,200 people were killed and massacred. We've watched this past week with horror as their world up there is turned upside down. On that same day, Saturday, October 7th, a week ago, Memphis, Tennessee. A man named Tim Shelton, 53 years old, healthy, an athlete, a minister, minister of small groups at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, where Adrian used to pastor and where Steve pastors today. Tim, Tim Shelton was out participating in a triathlon. And without warning, he passed due to heart failure, cardiac arrest. You see, in Israel, all those folks, there's worlds upside down because of the deaths over there. In Memphis, Tennessee, Tim's family's world is upside down because of his death. That church family, is their world is upside down, and that's some... Last I saw the numbers, that's close to 30,000 people that are members of that church. Because when death comes, your world turns upside down. Yesterday we buried Deborah Stewart's mom. Their world got turned upside down. And I'm going to say this to you. It doesn't matter how long you know somebody is going to pass when they take their final breath. When that death finally comes, it turns your world upside down. And I'm just speaking of physical death. There are some in this room that have other kind of deaths. 
Death of a relationship. Death of a dream. Death of a job. Death of a marriage. It matters not what kind of death comes into your life. It'll turn it upside down. Now we arrive at Deuteronomy chapter 32. Now in order to understand... In case you wonder why I'm looking at my Bible, I got something sticky on my Bible, and now it's on everything around, so I don't know what it is. You get to Deuteronomy chapter 32, and it's a pretty interesting chapter. Well, you know about the children of Israel. You know that the children of Israel has been God's people since Genesis 12. You know that they came to Kadesh Barnea. Moses led them out of captivity, out of bondage, out of the land of slavery. They came six weeks later to Kadesh Barnea, and God said, go, and they said, no. And now they had spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering. It cost, as I said to the associational meeting. They became professional funeral directors during that 40 years because on the average... They buried, I told, I told Marcus and, and Randy this at, at Hathorne yesterday, and their eyes bugged out. I said, they averaged 80 funerals a week, 52 weeks a year for 40 years. It's expensive to not follow God's leadership. And now we come to Deuteronomy. And what's happening in Deuteronomy is... Is Moses is now an old man. I mean, think about it. Forty years in uh, Egypt, forty years on the backside of Midian, and now forty years of these guys. He's 120 plus years old. He is about to die. He knows it, and they know it. In fact, in chapter 30, he's already handed off the mantle of leadership to Joshua, and they have already hung the title on him. Deliverer, Emeritus, Pastor Emeritus, whatever that means. They hung it on him. But, but Moses is worried about this people because he knows that when he draws his last breath, their world's going to go upside down. And for the first time in the life of these people, they're going to be without him. I mean, think about it. When they had their debacle at Kadesh Barnea, is that the... The people who were over 20 years old have now all passed, or just about all passed. So this crew is about 60 years old at the oldest, and they have never known a leader but Moses. Imagine how attached they are to him. Moses knows their heart. We could look back and read chapter 31, the last of chapter 31, and you know what you discover? Moses knows what they are. And he tries to warn them. He says, and if you go all this way that you go when I'm alive, what are you going to do when I'm dead? I mean, he knew what the parents had taught them because he just went up on a mountaintop and the parents had Aaron to build the, I didn't say that again, had, had Aaron to build the calf. In case y'all are wondering what that was about at the associational meeting, I said the pastor went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and the people got the associate pastor to build a, a golden lamb. And Kevin really appreciated that. So, But Moses knows these people. And he knows that when, the, when they hit a wall, 
when they hit a wall, when they hit trouble in their faith, they hit a wall. And he's trying to help them. He's trying to, and he's going to give them a couple of things here in the first 14 verses of chapter 32 of how to handle it when your world turns upside down. I'm going to let you remain seated because I'm going to kind of talk through this. You've been standing a while. But if you've got your Bibles, look in it. If not, look on the screen. Now, what, what Moses did, he said he told the leaders what he was going to say, and then he had the leaders to assemble the people. And now the people are assembled as we get to chapter 32. It says, pay attention, heavens, and I will speak. Listen, earth. To my word, to the words from my mouth. What he's saying is that I'm about to tell you something that God has told me, and I'll, this is important. You need to listen. And then he appeals to him, and he says, "Let my teaching fall like rain." We had that rain this past week. Wasn't it refreshing? Just let my let my teaching fall like rain, and my word. Settle like dew, like gentle rain on new grass and showers on tender plants. What he's trying to do, he's trying to tell them, hey, if, let this hit your life and let it grow you up a little bit, just like grass. And here he goes. For I will proclaim the Lord's name. Declare the greatness of our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all His ways are just a faithful God, without bias. He is, a, he is righteous and true. And then He kind of weighs at the crowd. He goes, His people have acted corruptly toward Him. This is their defect. They are not His children, but a devious and crooked generation Is this how you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father and creator? Didn't he make you and sustain you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of past generations. Ask your father and he'll tell you. Your elders, and they'll teach you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and divided the human race, He set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the people of Israel. But the Lord's portion is His people, Jacob, His own inheritance. He found Him. That's a lot of pronouns right there. So let me say it this way. God found Jacob, the people of Jacob. He found him in a desolate land, in a barren, howling wilderness. He surrounded him, cared for him, and protected him as the pupil or the apple of his eye. He watches over his nest like an eagle and hovers over his young and he spreads his wings, catches him, and carries him on his feathers. The Lord alone led him, with no help from a foreign god. He made him ride on the heights of the land. That's good stuff. And eat the produce of the field. Now, I love this next part. 
He nourished him with honey from the rock. Man, my, my mouth is just watering. Honey from the rock. And oil from plenty rock. That's probably olive oil. Curds from the herd and milks from the flock and with the fat of lambs, rams of Basham and goats with their choicest grains of wheat. You drank wine from the finest grapes. And with those, Moses encouraged his people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that for our next moments, I pray that we will hear from you. I pray that you will speak words to us that will help us that when our world turns upside down, that you're there to turn it right side up. In Jesus' name, amen. For me, this this passage of Scripture is so rich because Moses knew his people. He knew who they were. He knew what they would do. And he wanted them to encourage them. He wanted them to give a, a, a focus. He knew that when he died, that their world was going to be almost destroyed. Sometimes we get our eyes on people. And when they're no longer there, life goes upside down. And what he wanted to do, he wanted to give them some handles, a way to handle this, his death. So, if you will, hear his word, heed his word, and listen to him as he gives them four things to focus on. The first thing that he tells, wants them to focus on is your deliverer. He says, of all the things that you can do, focus on your deliverer. And I just want to say this to everyone here. We in America, we've had it so good so long, we've been able to make our own way, that most of the time, the last place we look is our deliverer, is our God. He outlines who he is right here when he says, "The Lord, for I will proclaim the Lord's name. You see, he's saying, your world's going to go upside down, but I want you to keep the Lord in front of you. He is the one that you should follow. In fact, I want you to declare the greatness of his name. You see, when your world goes upside down, you want to shut your mouth and try to figure it out on your own. When what we should do is turn to our deliverer. You see who it is in that next verse? He's the rock. The rock. I love that description. The rock. And here's the rock. Here's your deliverer. His work is perfect. His ways are just. He's faithful God. He's without bias or prejudice. And his, he is righteous and true. He describes who this deliverer is. You know what a deliverer is. He is a rescuer. He is a redeemer. A rescuer is someone that finds you in trouble when your world's upside down and he pulls you out. Your redeemer finds you when you feel like that you're nothing, that the world's just... Uh, uh, Going to falling apart around you, and he redeems you back to be something special. He is your deliverer. The children of Israel should know that well because God delivered them from Egypt, from the land of slavery, from the land of misery, from the land of captivity. So let's speak a word to us today. Our Lord God is, is either your deliverer or he wants to be your deliverer. 
You see, if you know Him, if you have a relationship with Him, I don't mean if you just come to church or Sunday school, but if you know Him, He has delivered you from the darkness that this world walks in to the light that He projects. He delivers you from the sin that separates you from Him into righteousness and right living that He has called you to. The very reason that Jesus came and died to be our deliverer. We need to focus on Him. He doesn't need to be our last resort. He needs to be our first option. He, this is not somebody that we turn to just when the world turns upside down. This is someone we live with day in and day out. And so when we live with Him day in and day out, you know what happens? We get familiar with Him. <laughs> you know, things are going up. Problems are going on in your life. The world's going upside down. And somebody goes, have we thought about praying? Has it come to that? It is always that. You want to know where you'll find your strength. You want to know where your world can be righted. You want to know how it can put everything back in order. Start with your deliverer. The rock. When I think about the rock, a lot of things come to my mind. I know that as the, as the uh, Jewish people go forward into the land of Canaan and Joshua, they're going to use rocks as markers. As they cross Jordan. But I want to make something very much more personal for you. Let's go to the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 7. As he finished, as he was finishing his conclusion, Eric always asked me to get to the conclusion really quickly. He thinks that a good sermon is a good introduction, a good conclusion, put really close together. Okay. Amen. I got an amen from him. I knew Jesus was ending his Sermon on the Mount. And he told a story that's familiar to all of us. He said there were two men. One, this is what it says, built, this is what he said, built his house on the sand. And another one that built his house on the rock. Now, I know he said house, but I dare say that he was trying to look through the hearts of these people and talk about their lives. There are those who build their life on the sand. They build it on what they think is best. They build it on what they determine is the right thing to do. I had a friend years ago who wouldn't, he didn't and wouldn't believe the Bible. And he got really frustrated at me because I said, okay, so you're making it up as you go. Yeah. He had a beautiful daughter, beautiful teenage daughter, beautiful eyes, just a beautiful person. And I called her by name, and I said, so if you get to make up your own rules, and the Bible is not your, uh, uh, Bible is not your God, let me ask you this. What happens if, and I called her by name, and I said, what happens if when she turns 17, 18 years old, she decides that she's going to shack up with somebody she's not going to marry? But, uh, but, uh, and I go, no, no, no. If you get to make up your rules, she gets to make up hers. Do you see how important it is to not be built on the shifting sand? Because we have seen in my lifetime, these guys think that's a long time. Be quiet, Nate. They think it's a long time, but it's really a short time. In my lifetime, 
We have seen our culture go from being a moral culture to being an immoral culture to now it's an amoral culture. We live in the last verse of the book of Judges. You've heard me say this many times. In those days when there was no king in all of Israel, everybody did what was right in their own mind. Everybody just decides that they can to do what right. That is built to do what they want to do and call it right. That's building your life on the sand. The guy who builds his life on the rock builds it on Jesus. I remind you that in, in the New Testament that the stone that the builder rejected came, became the chief cornerstone. That's the stone to build your life on, folks. You see, if you don't have a firm foundation, what's going to happen? Those two houses, a picture of them, the storms of life, the storms of culture, the storms and wars of this world are going to come, and the one built on, sand, on shifting sand is going to be washed away, but the one built on Jesus is going to stand. You see, here's the truth. Moses was trying to get these people to see their deliverer and build their life on him. The second thing we see here, now you're going to think... If this wasn't right in the Scripture, you'd think something bad about me. He wanted them to see their defect. Their defect. I mean, he says it right. Boy, he didn't mince words. Wouldn't y'all like it if I come in here and said something like this? His people, you guys, have acted corruptly toward him. You're not his children. But devious in a crooked generation. He knew how to win friends and influence people. You know what he knew about that? You know why he could say this? Because he, he knew them so well, because he had known them so long. He had watched them, at the first sign of trouble, turn away from God. He, he had watched them, and he knew it was their defect. He knew that when he was out of sight, you can go back and read chapter 31, out of sight, then here's what was going to happen. When, when Moses left, they were going to do just like their parents had done before them, because they had no faith of their own. You see, our defect, folks... It's what the Bible calls sin. The Bible says it a lot of ways. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none that seek after God. And in fact, I'll just say this to you. We may not have the capacity to seek after God until the Holy Spirit comes in and touches our heart like he did in Acts chapter 2. You see, our defect is that we think, let me put this right, is that too often we believe that we are on the same level with God when it comes to ruling our lives. That's what they thought. Look in verse 6, he says, he asks them some rhetorical questions. He says, is this how you repay the Lord, your deliverer? You foolish and senseless people. Isn't he your father and creator? Didn't he make and sustain you? When your world goes upside down, I would suggest this to you. If it's your personal world, I would suggest this to you. Is that begin to look inside first. When the world goes upside down, you can see the buck flying around the room. Because everybody's passing it around, passing the buck. When your world really goes upside down, it might, and it's your personal world, you might want to check Self. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, examine yourself. How you're in the faith. Prove yourself. Know yourself. You see, folks, we all have the potential of being defective, of walking in our sin, walking in our own way. 
placing our opinion above his opinion. And when we hit the wall, go in the wrong places. So he says, when you see that defect, return to your deliverer. Remember your deliverer. But he gives them a third word here. He talks about that he wants them to focus on your deliverance. Your deliverance. Now, I want you to hear this. He delivered them. Verse 8. Let's go back to verse 7. Remember the days of old and consider the years of past generation. Ask your father and he will tell you your elders and they will teach you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and divided the human race, he set boundaries of the people according to the number of the people of Israel. Here's what I will tell you. Your deliverance from whatever in the past sets you free. Your deliverance sets you free. And the only way you're going to ever experience this deliverance is to recognize your defect. (laughs) And we don't like, you know, when you recognize your defect, Brent, it's like looking in a mirror. And nobody, does anybody here really enjoy, besides the girls, anybody here enjoy looking in a mirror? They all made ugly faces at me. I heard a story the other day that kind of brought this home. Um, Man and woman were sitting in a restaurant at the counter on one end. They had been married a lot of years. And they were sitting there drinking their coffee, talking, eating. And he looked down at the other end and there was an old couple. And man, they didn't look like they had any life to them, didn't have any passion to them. And he punched his wife. He said, look at that couple down there. He said, they just don't, one of the days we're going to be just like them. They have no passion for each other. They, they don't really engage. They're just kind of sitting there and getting old. And she looked down and she goes, hey, hon, you realize that's just a mirror on the other end, don't you? <laughs> you know, we don't really like looking in a mirror. And if we're going to experience deliverance from the deliverer, we have to look there and see what our faults, our flaws And our imperfections are. When I look at here and I see him dividing the nations, setting boundaries. The reason God sets boundaries on us is for our good. Hello? Why don't he just turn us loose to do whatever we want to do? Because that's not for your good. If If you do that, if I do that, If we do that, we'll hurt ourselves because we don't know any better. Young people, I know you think that your parents are overbearing at times, and I know you think that they don't know anything, and I know you think probably some things that I will not repeat from this pulpit, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Speaking as a parent, the only thing parents want to do is to keep you from stepping in the same holes that we stepped in. That's all. And you know what? After you're knee deep in that hole, whatever it is, you can never unstep there. You might be able to get out of it, but you'll have a lot of dirt and other stuff on you. The truth is, is that God saw us where we were, and He delivered us. He, his deliverance carried us out. I think about those children of Israel and their deliverance. They came out of the land of bondage. They came out of the land of slavery. And, and then they, they were ready to go into the uh, uh, promised land, and they messed that up. 
And so now they've been in the wilderness for 40 years, and once again, God's deliverance is bringing them out of the wilderness. You know, we, we're hard-headed. That would have been a good place for an amen. We are hard-headed, all of us. It's not just your husband or your wife. You're hard-headed too, okay? And we're really hard-headed when it comes to following him. It really come, we really become hard-headed when, it, when it's talking about the one who delivers us, the stone, the rock. He brought them out. He'll bring us out if we'll let him. And the last thing that I see here is one I'm really excited about. Because the deliverance by the deliverer from our defect is in the past. But there's one more thing here that Moses wanted his people to see, and I want you to see. You're delivering. That's present and future tense. That's, and look at all that God did for them. Verse 10. He found them. He surrounded them. He protected them. He watched over them. He hovered over them. He spread his wings and caught them like a mama bird and carried them in his feathers. Here it is. The Lord alone led them. Who are you following these days? God is calling us to a place that we can't imagine. This world may go upside down. That war in Israel... As sad as it is, it may erupt into a world war. I'm just going to tell you, I told the crowd Wednesday night, if you wake up in the morning and your paper reads, Russia invade Israel, buckle your seatbelt, the end time is around the corner. But whatever happens, God is here still delivering us, still putting us on Him, His wings around us. Giving us the best of the land. That's what it means to ride How does he say it? To ride on the heights of the land. That means that you have the best that the land can offer and eat the produce of the field. But here's one that I like. I told you when I read it. Honey from the rock. He nourishes us with honey from the rock. Anytime honey is mentioned in the Bible, it's talking about the sweetness. The sweetness of God. The say, man, how sweet it is. Yeah, I didn't use how sweet it is to be loved by you, but I could say that to the Lord. Because when he loves us, he gives us the honey from the rock. And that honey from the rock is is the last verse of Psalm 81, that we can be nourished with honey from the rock. Because he doesn't just deliver us from the past. He doesn't just deliver us from things. Now, are you listening? He doesn't just deliver us from things. He wants to deliver us to things. He delivered them from Egypt, but he wanted them to have the land of promise. He, de- he can deliver you from whatever's in your past, but he wants you to have better than you've ever had. Church, he can deliver us from whatever's gone on in our past, but man, he's got better things ahead if we will eat the ro- honey from the rock. I mentioned Bellevue Baptist Church earlier. I was just scanning uh, probably YouTube praise songs and what have you. And I thought, perfect way to bring an ending to this message. Mitch. Honey in the rock, water in the stone, bed on the ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry now that I know.
Earlier, Eric asked, did you catch those lyrics? Did you last, catch those last two lines? I have all I need because you are all I need. That's the message of today. When your world goes upside down, he is all that you need. And when we turn, and we have trouble surrendering to him and leaning on him, but when we do, here's what he'll do. Mitch, would you help me? He'll turn that world right side up. If you'll let him. If you never trusted him, today could be your day that he turns your right side, world right side up. If you've trusted him and you're in the middle of a storm, today could be the day that he turns your world right side up. If you'll let him. Let's pray together.